Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return. These strange words that are spoken over us once a year on this day, as we mark the beginning of the season of Lent, are often quite strange to hear, are they not? Sometimes they go over our head. But they speak to us a very certain word about our frail and mortal existence. And that's really a good thing. It's a good thing for us to remember our mortality because it reminds us that in the grand scheme of the universe, our mortal life is really just a blip on the radar, a temporal reality. And we human beings, people of Earth, probably specifically people of America, often have a hard time remembering our place in the world where we're people whose natural inclination is towards ourselves. We are people who find ourselves as the center of our own universe, as the most interesting people that we know. We do not take a natural posture of humility. And so to hear every now and then To remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, really should help remind you that you aren't the center of the universe. The sun does not revolve around you. And it should remind you, most of all, that in this world, there is a God, and you ain't it. But that's not the only thing that I want you to take from this worship experience, or from the season of Lent, or really from your entire walk with Jesus. That's a good starting point. However, we're looking for something a bit more, are we not? Something deeper. We're looking to be transformed. And so, yes, today we recognize our mortality, but we also need to recognize what our mortality means for us. We need to look at what God's plan for our mortality is. And so in the beginning of your Bible, you'll find these words in Genesis chapter 2. It says, Then the Lord God formed from the dust, man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. This is like the human origin story. 
From the dust of the ground, God formed us. And having formed us, God gave life through the gift of his breath, through the gift of his spirit. And this is the fundamental truth about ourselves that we need to remember. Yes, we are made from dust, but that dust is something beautiful. That dust is what God uses to make art. The dust is the medium that God used to make the ordinary into something extraordinary. Isn't, isn't that the reality of what art is? We take ordinary things and we arrange them in a specific way using our creative intentionality to make something extraordinary, to make something new. And so God's creative intentionality comes together with the mixture of dust and the divine breath and human beings come into existence and God looks at these people that he has made and he says that they are very good. And then he gives them a very specific purpose, a job. Just a few verses later in Genesis 2.15, it says this, then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. God's intention for us was to keep the garden, to maintain God's world as a place that creates and sustains life. That's the purpose of a garden, after all, isn't it? But that intention stretches far beyond just life in a garden. That purpose is meant to infiltrate our entire lives. But what has happened, as King David from our psalm reading this evening points out, is that we have sinned, and we are naturally rebelling against that intention that God has given to us. Even when we mean well, it seems that we always make a mess of things. And so it doesn't take very long at all, in fact, just one generation of human beings for violence to enter into God's world. Adam and Eve's two sons, brothers named Cain and Abel, have a disagreement. Cain kills his brother Abel, and God comes to him and says, your brother's blood cries out from the dust of the ground. That dust, which God had used to create the masterpiece called humans, which God had used to create and sustain life on earth, now contains just the opposite. It contains evidence of violence, of pain, and of death. These realities, violence, pain, and death, soak God's medium of choice. And so David realizing this about his own existence as well, cries out, asking God to restore him, to make something new out of this mess that his life has become. And so he says this in Psalm 51, 1 through 5. I'll read it again. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, 
According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. David is a man who is coming face to face with his own reality. God took him from the fields where he was the youngest brother tending to his father's flock of sheep. And, and God saw in David something beautiful that no one else could see. Something that he would use for the purpose of bringing about this life-giving and life-sustaining gift of order to the people called Israel. And David did a very good job for a very long time until his humanity got the best of him. And in a moment of brokenness, he, he walked out onto his balcony and he saw a woman who was not his wife. He took her. He slept with her. He had her husband killed. And then suffered the crushing grief when this woman had a miscarriage and they lost the child that was conceived through his sin. David, after being confronted by the prophet Nathan about his sin, utters this confession before God. A confession that I believe that we all can resonate with. Because we know our sins, don't we? We can hide them from the world around us, but we know the secret places in our hearts where we harbor discontent towards those that God has called us to love. We know the thoughts that we have, the actions that we take in secret, which is a paradox because we also know that we worship a God who sees all who knows all, who sees the hidden parts of our heart. There is no secret between us and our God. And so we echo with David the reality that our sin is ever before us, that we have done evil in the sight of our God. And this is a healthy reality. It's, it's a place that we need to arrive at in order for God to start to do a new thing in us. And so look at what David says later in the psalm. This is verses 10 through 12. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Create in me. David is calling back that language from Genesis 2. He says, form me again, God. Make a new heart out of this broken mess and breathe into me a new spirit a new breath once again. David's saying like, hey, God, I'm a mess. Make me new. Take this dust and make something beautiful out of it once again. 
Breathe your breath on me and give me a renewed sense of my purpose here in this world. Help me overcome the death and the destruction that I've brought into your world. And for some of us, this is a really easy prayer to pray. We're all too aware of the mess that we've made here in God's world. Some of us have taken from this world. Some of us have caused destruction through our behaviors and through our lifestyles. We understand David on like a primal soul level. But for others of us, this is hard because we don't characterize our behavior over the past years as having brought death and destruction into God's world. Our frailty doesn't show up quite as obviously. Our, our sin is less obvious. It's less clear to us and certainly less clear to the world around us. But here's what I invite you to do if that's you. Be really honest with yourself about yourself, about your relationship to yourself and your relationship to those that you love. You know, have your words always been inclined towards building up life? Are they always encouraging? Have you ever been angry with anyone? Because Jesus said that if any of us is angry with another person, that we've committed murder in our hearts. That if we've even looked at someone whom we are not married to with a lustful thought, that we have committed adultery. Do you get the point? All of these failures, all of them are agents of destruction and death in some way or another. So we all stand together as equals in need of God to reshape us, to reform us, to breathe a new breath of life into us, to make new art out of us. There's a form of art that's become popular uh, over the course of my lifetime, at least. Uh, and it uses uh, reclaimed and recycled junk in order to make something new. I'm sure you've seen this around our modern world, statues made of motorcycle parts and other things that have become quite common. But there's one piece of art uh, that is in this style that's my favorite piece of art ever made. This piece of art was born out of conflict, a conflict that claimed over one million lives. This piece of art was formed from reclaimed automatic weapons that were collected and recycled after the Mozambique Civil War. The artists put them together and gave them a new purpose. They breathed a new creative breath into these weapons of death and destruction that ravaged the land. And this is what came about. It's called the Tree of Life. And it's a representation of the gift that God placed in the center of the Garden of Eden. The gift that God gave to sustain human life for eternity. Fashioned out of instruments of death, this art now stands in the British Museum of Art as a beacon of hope that comes to us through Christ Jesus. And this is why we truly come here on Ash Wednesday, 
The ask of God as we recognize that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. And inviting God to use us as the holy medium once again. We are saying to God, make us, melt us, mold us into something brand new. Put in us a new heart. Take our broken pieces, God, and make them something beautiful. Take our instruments of death, our actions, our words, our thoughts, our propensity for selfish and self-centered living, and reclaim them for your own purposes. Breathe a new creative breath on them and turn them into life-giving and life-promoting tools that I can use to fulfill your purposes here on this earth. And then when we go, and to dust we return, we continue our God-given purpose to create and sustain life. We become the dust of the earth once again. That from which God creates the next generation of life-creating and life-sustaining plant life. Our lives, even in death, are not our own. God uses them to continue to make something beautiful out of us. God continues to paint with our ashes. And that's the gift of this time called Lent. We acknowledge that we are created to be so much more than we've lived up to. But we also recognize that we haven't reached the end of our road, that we haven't totally missed our potential, and that with God's help, through the journey of Jesus to the cross and the empty tomb, that we can be renewed and restored to live out God's magnificent purpose for our lives. And it starts with admitting who we really are. Divine dust. The holy medium of a God who loves, who creates, and who recreates even the most broken, messy, and dirty things. A God who makes us new. And so, as we move into the Lenten season, it's quite typical for Christians to observe some sort of Lenten discipline, typically a fast of some sort, which means to abstain from something or even to add some practice into your life that helps you develop spiritually. And so if you want to give up uh, meat or if you want to give up sweets or drinking or whatever it is that you think is a vice that you're dealing with, you are more than welcome to do so. But this year, um, I wanted to offer maybe just a more meaningful, more impactful, and more lifelong type of fast into your lives. And so inside of your bulletin are some words that uh, a guy named like Pope Francis, you may have heard of him, uh, offered to the Catholic Church a few years ago. And so the invitation for you is really to fast from hurting words and to say kind words. To fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude. To fast from anger 
be filled with patience. To fast from pessimism and be filled with hope. To fast from worries and have trust in God. Fast from complaints, but rather contemplate simplicity. Fast from pressures and be prayerful. Fast from bitterness and fill your hearts with joy. Fast from selfishness and be compassionate to others. Fast from grudges and be reconciled. Fast from words and be silent so you can listen. That's a pretty tall order. Can't do it all at once. But if you were to take this bulletin with you, or I think there's some cards around here that have this printed on them, and just put them maybe somewhere in the morning where you'll see it first, like on your bathroom mirror or wherever you make your coffee, and just like choose one. Say, today I'm going to fast from worries and have trust in God. And then do the same thing for 40 plus days. I guarantee you'll cover the bases here and that your life might begin to change as we journey towards the cross together.